Hey YA is sponsored by the Book Riot Read Harder Journal. Created by Book Riot, the smartly designed reading log consists of entry pages to record stats, impressions, and reviews of each book you read. Evenly interspersed among the entry pages are 12 challenges inspired by Book Riot's annual Read Harder initiative, which began in 2015 to encourage readers to pick up past over books, try out new genres, and choose titles from a wider range of voices and perspectives. Indulge your inner book nerd and read a book about books, get a perspective on current events by reading a book written by an immigrant, find a hidden gem by reading a book published by an independent press, and so much more. Each challenge includes an inspiring quotation, an explanation of why the challenge will prove to be rewarding, and five book recommendations that fulfill the challenge. Go to bookriot.com slash readharderjournal to buy one. Welcome to Hey YA, from great new books to favorite classic reads, from new stories to the latest in on-screen adaptations, Hey YA is here to elevate the exciting world of young adult lit. Hey YA is a book write podcast hosted by Kelly Jensen and Eric Smith. We are recording on Friday, January 18, 2019, and Forbes name-checked Hey YA in an article this week, so our heads are nice and big. Yes, they are. We were, like, on the front page of Reddit, I guess. No, Oh, my goodness. Somebody had to tell me because I don't pay attention to that stuff. So I was like, oh, that's cool. I'm so used to, like, getting um, sort of that, like, attention for things that make people mad. So when it was a good <laughs> thing, I was like, oh, okay, that happened. Um, I will take it. Yeah, exactly. And apologies uh, to our listeners who are hearing me streaming live from my kitchen, as I have not quite unpacked yet. Uh, you may hear a special guest, uh, Augustus the Corgi, as he uh, walks around our boxed-up apartment. <laughs> so it's it's all good. I've got like the cat patrol around me as well, so there'll be all <laughs> kinds of guests uh, jumping in to share their opinions today. Uh, what have you been up to? You moved. Yes, yeah, so I, I moved from Michigan to uh, Pennsylvania. I'm back in Philadelphia. Uh, my best friend flew across the country to drive the moving truck from... Michigan to here uh, because that is friendship, and now I'm going to write a friendship YA novel because uh, I've been very inspired by our road trip. But uh, yeah, getting settled back in. Um, about to live the going to New York City every now and again for publishing meetings life. Nice. And, uh, yeah, just trying to get my my books in order. Oh my god, my bookshelves are a thing of nightmares. I like wake up in a cold <laughs> sweat remembering that they aren't alphabetized. Uh, <laughs> it needs to get fixed. <laughs> Dare I ask, have you been reading at all during this uh, moving? No, I'm sorry. So the no, one okay. book, <laughs> uh, the one book I did finish um, was Hot Dog Girl by Jennifer Dugan because I refused to pack it. Uh, so uh, it was just as heartwarming and hilarious as I as I hoped it would be. It's just like awkward and painful and so very uh, teenage summer. Um, so for those of you who might not be familiar with the premise or haven't heard me gushing about it the past few episodes. Uh, it is about a teen girl who lands a job at a theme park where her longtime crush is working, but she's dressed as a hot dog. Uh, <laughs> and how are you supposed to woo somebody when your job is to be a dancing hot dog and walk around in that costume all the time? Um, I saw a pitch for it floating around somewhere referencing the movie uh, Adventureland as a, a comp title to it, and that is just like so spot on. It was so fun and so swoony and 
awkward and like the main character makes all these mistakes where you're just like gritting your teeth and shaking your head, but you just you can't just help but root for her, even though she's making all these horrible mis- decisions. Uh, and I think that's like a really great YA novel when it's written like that, because like I can get annoying really fast, uh, and it's done so so just uh, it's just so spectacular. I hope more people read it. What about you? You read a lot, right? Yeah, I um, I've been reading a lot, but I feel like this is the time of year where I just read a lot more than uh, I do like in the summer. You know, it's it's cold out, it's gray out, like, I don't want to leave the house, and so, like, my free time is, you know, curled up reading, and I've been working to create a reading space in my house, so I've got this spare room that we turned into, like, a library where all of the bookshelves are, and it had a, a piece of an old couch, but this, it's an old couch for a reason, like, the cats have gotten to it basically. And, um, so I've been like, I've spent like the last week looking at various chairs, various like reading, uh, furniture. And finally I, I bought a chair and a, um, an ottoman. So I'm excited to like set up and have a real dedicated space for reading. Um, but anyway, as I've been like between, you know, like which $130 chair, which, for those who are listening, it's not very expensive, so you know it's not a great chair. Um, <laughs> deciding which one to buy. Uh, between doing that and sort of like plotting out what I want it to look like, I've been reading a lot. And uh, some of the books that I've picked up recently include The Love and Lies of Roxana Ali by Sabina Khan, which was great. Uh, it's a debut novel, and it's about a girl who is from this devout conservative Muslim family. And she's madly in love with a girl that she's been dating, but nobody except her best friend knows that they're dating. Um, She's afraid of what her family will think. She's afraid of, like, what the larger Muslim community that they're part of will think. Um, Of course, that means she's caught with her girlfriend. And her parents decide that uh, they're going to concoct this lie that her grandmother in uh, Bangladesh is dying. So she has to go there. So the family goes, except for the younger brother. The younger brother stays back in Seattle. Well, it turns out Grandma's not dying and that the whole situation was set up so that her parents could find her a suitable husband. And so she's out of the country. She's being set up on all these dates. And uh, really all she wants to do is get back to Seattle and get back with her girlfriend. So it's it's a really interesting book that looks at arranged marriages. It looks at... Um, what it's like to be queer in a community that doesn't accept that openly and how uh, she sort of works the system to get what she wants. It's a really, really uh, worthwhile read, and I hope it's one that more people pick up. I think it just came out this week, um, and that is The Love and Lies of Roxana Ali by Sabina Khan. So that was one big one that was, like, in my head. One book. Uh, What? That's the first book. That's the first book, yeah. I gave like a nice long pitch for it. Um, uh, so the the next book I read is called "Tell Me Everything" by Sarah Enney, who is the host of the First Draft podcast, which some of our listeners might be familiar with. And it's a book that's perfect for readers who love art and are really interested in social media. So the the heart of the story is this Veil app, which Ivy, the main character, 
turns to to better cope with the summer uh, when her brilliant best friend is away. And Veil allows users to share art anonymously, and it's seen only by those who are local to them and only for 24 hours. So it gives us, like, anonymity to creation and art. And um, So Ivy takes something that should be pretty straightforward, this idea of, like, art for art's sake, and she uses it to connect with people by using the app who... Um, they want to be anonymous by using the app, but Ivy is sort of putting the pieces together about who these people using it might be because, remember, it's local, so she can kind of pinpoint who is creating what. And um, in the end, trying to do nice things for some of these people that she's uh, discovering on the app comes to bite her in the butt, like, in a really, really big way. And, uh, yeah, it was just, it was a fascinating story about, like, when your heart is there, but you're doing something that's really uh, not great. And it's also about art and social media and how those sort of uh, shape how we act and how we behave. Um, and then... Oh, that sounds awesome. Yeah, it was it was great. Uh, that one's it. Is that her first book? It is her first book, yeah. Um, oh, man. And it comes out at the end of February, so not too long. Yeah, that sounds great. I love, oh, I just love stories where, like, teenagers are, like... I'm going to, you know, tell someone's story or I'm going to help, you know, someone out who might not want that help. Like it makes me think of that book. um, Oh, what was that Jennifer Thorne book about the, the, the girl whose friend comes out? Oh yeah. The, um, the outside of, okay. The inside of outside, the outside, inside of out, the inside of out. That's it. Yeah. 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 Like I love stories like that. Yeah. Uh, And this one was just great. Like you wouldn't know that it's her debut. It's so well-written. She's clearly like, she knows very, so many people in the YA community and she's been such an advocate for YA that it's just like clear that, you know, this is, she was meant to write YA. Yeah. Um, and then the last book I was going to like super quickly talk about is, uh, as I mentioned in the podcast, like many times, the first book I like to read of the year is the new Brandy Colbert and, uh, the revolution of Bertie Randolph was awesome. Um, it's a book about, following the rules and breaking the rules, and it's a book about family, uh, both the kind of family that we're born into and the family that we uh, create along the way. Uh, So the story follows as Birdie's aunt shows up to their apartment right before the summer begins, and that's when everything changes. Uh, At the same time, Birdie has been secretly dating this boy that she knows her strict and proper parents wouldn't like. Uh, Yeah. So despite not being the kind of person who pushes boundaries, uh, her aunt showing up and then this boy that she's dating really encouraged Birdie to sort of take some chances and learn some lessons that she wouldn't have on her own. Um, And sort of tied into all of this uh, is the story of addiction and disease, about anger, and about uh, what we do when a loved one is sick. And there's this really fabulous thread, too, about the juvenile justice system, um, all of these nuanced, thoughtful, like heavy, deep issues that uh, Colbert is really great at writing um, all play out very well here. And uh, also the romance is great. Um, It was one of those things that's like you're watching it through and you're really rooting for the couple and you want it to work. And yeah, um, so that one's not out until August, but certainly one to keep an eye on because it's so great. That sounds awesome. And it has that like, like stunning cover. Oh my goodness. Yeah, yeah. She definitely won cover, you know, cover love there. Mm-hmm. 
Do you want to uh, highlight our, our first sponsor before we dive into the meat of the show? Yes, I do, because I love the first sponsor. So uh, <laughs> the first sponsor of the show is uh, King of Scars by Lee Bardugo. Uh, no one knows what Nikolai endured in his country's bloody civil war, and he intends to keep it that way. As the young king strives to rebuild his country and forge new alliances, the dark magic growing within him threatens to destroy all he has built. Nikolai must journey to the places where the deepest magic survives to vanquish the terrible legacy inside of him. But some secrets aren't meant to stay buried, and some wounds aren't meant to heal. Enter the Grishaverse with this new novel from New York Times best-selling author Lee Bardugo, Face Your Demons or Feed Them. Mm. Uh, yes, I like that. Uh, it's a highly anticipated new novel by this number one New York Times best-selling author and is the continuation of the story of Nikolai, a fan favorite privateer and prince, and the new king of Raf- Ravka, plagued by a terrible legacy inside him. From the political intrigue to dangerous magical curses to subtle undercurrent of romantic tension, there's something for everyone in King of Scars. And this is an exciting new adventure for fans, but also a great place to dive into the world of dark magic that is the Grishaverse for new readers. All right. I like how Lee Bardugo keeps writing these, like, additional series in her world that, like, stand by themselves. Yeah. You know? Like, that's, yeah. that's so smart. And I you think... You know, because, like... I she has how many? Has like six books now. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, and I think this one's a duology, if I'm remembering yeah, correctly, yeah. too, which is kind of cool. As a as somebody who has a hard time with series, duology <laughs> is like, oh, okay, the first one comes out, and I'll get the last part of the series in a year. So then I like mm-hmm. to wait a year, you know. You know what we need to look up, um, and our readers might want to check it out. So, like the Gilded Wolves cover, Ooh, and the King yes. of Scars cover, they have like a very similar. Like mm-hmm. font and layout, and I really want to know if it's the same artist, and I want to know oh. who they are because they're gorgeous. Yeah, that's a, I should look that up when we're done. But yeah, no, they they have a similar look to them, and yeah. Do you want to uh, to introduce what we're going to talk about first, since this was uh, your idea? I do, and I apologize. Augie is barking from the bathroom right now. He is not happy <laughs> to be in there. Um, <laughs> So yeah, I, Kelly and I were chit-chatting about our uh, reading resolutions, past and present. Um, I love the idea of reading resolutions, mostly because they've always gone right out the window with me, almost <laughs> immediately, uh, whenever I make one. Um, but not before I've read a few things that I might not have tried if I hadn't made this inevitably soon-to-be-broken promise uh, <laughs> to myself. Um, and I always think it's interesting to take a look at them and see what you potentially read or, or, or learn from the process or, uh, or what you're planning uh, to read and learn from process. So like what, uh, what resolutions, I don't know, have you made in the past? So um, I used to be really big on setting a number of books I want to read. And um, I found, though, that by doing that, I just I don't like that method of resolving to read because it encourages me to read short quick, fast books, rather than picking up some of the longer, more challenging reads. Um, Not that, like, there's anything wrong with the shorter, fast read. I love them, but I don't want to get to the end of the year and see that whatever arbitrary number I set up, like, is 10 books away. And so instead of picking up, like, that 500-page book, I pick up the, you know, 150-page book. Um, It it just doesn't feel, like, authentic to my reading style, uh, which... I know that setting a number for many other readers is like, that's how they do it. Mm -hmm. For me, it's like that is what kind of keeps me back and kind of what I feel makes my reading life way more about um, numbers than it is about like quality of what I'm reading. Yeah. 
What about you? What are yeah, I've got more, but I want to hear from you. Like, do you are you a counter? Do you set a goal? Like what? Tell me about some of your reading resolutions. Yeah, so usually I'll like promise myself like I'm going to get into a certain category or a different genre that I haven't really read. Um, that way I'll get a little more well-read and maybe be better at my job um, in my uh, literary agent life. Um, like, oh, goodness, I think it was this year. Yeah, goodness, this year. Well, no, last year. Uh, my resolution for you know 2018 was that, oh, I'm going to read more middle grade books, uh, and I didn't. I <laughs> read... But you ha- did. You talked yeah. about them on the show. Yeah, like a handful I did talk about on here, like Victoria Schwab's and, uh, you know, Roshni Choksi's middle grades, uh, which I loved, and I thought they were so great. Um, but most of what I, like, was picking up just wasn't really for me. Uh, and I mean, obviously, it's not for me. Like, I'm a grown man. You know, middle grade <laughs> isn't my audience. But, you know, then again, neither is YA, but YA tends to sometimes skew that way. Um, but I'm really grateful that it was something I attempted because, you know, professionally it was important and personally it just helped me know what kind of works for me. Um, and then inevitably I'm going to end up reading a lot of middle grade down the line cause I have a child who's going to mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> grow up quickly. Um, yeah. And before that, uh, I had this moment where I was trying to read more graphic novels. Um, and oh my God, I did so much of that. And it, that one actually stuck for a really long time. Um, cause I was using, uh, the comiXology app, mm-hmm. which like every week they're like 85% off all of, you know, um, I don't know, all Marvel now comics. And it's like, well, okay, here goes $50 yeah. to buy, you know, 15 volumes worth of comics. Um, and that combined with using, uh, humble bundles, uh, my iPad was just packed full of, uh, comics and, and graphic novels. Um, I, I, I'm still not even done with all the stuff that I bought. Uh, have you ever used Humble Bundles? I would love to see like a YA Humble Bundle down the line. I have not. Um, I know what they are, and I'm familiar with like what they look like, but mm-hmm. I've never, I've never done one. In part because like um, digital reading for me is hard. Uh, I spend so long on a computer that like e-reading, I've just, you know, I've come to accept this about myself that I don't like it. Um, not that I don't see the merits, not that I don't see the value. It's just, I don't like it. So I don't want to do it. And, uh, so I, I went through this phase where I bought so many like cheap YA books, like Mm -hmm. when they were on sale for, you know, a buck, two bucks, three bucks. Um, so I've got like this nice collection, but, uh, I don't read digital books. So they're just like sitting on my nook doing nothing. Um, which is like why I've never bought into one of these things. So it's like, I know it's going to happen, you know, I'll spend the 15 bucks, get 15 titles, which is a great deal. And then, uh, I'll spend $15 and 15 titles. I will literally never look at. Yeah. I, I'm the worst there. Humble also has lots of these video game bundles and mm-hmm. I'm the worst with them. Cause every time <laughs> they hit every week, there's a new one, you know, there's always like a dollar tier, and it's like, get these five games for a dollar. And I'm like, I'm never going to play any of these. But I would like to own more games, and then I buy them. Uh, why? What is wrong with me? Um, is this podcast sponsored by Humble and Comixology? What is it going on? I keep talking about this. No, um, it's not. <laughs> but yeah, no, I love those kind of tools. Uh, those really help me with my resolutions. And like, I don't know, what are yours this year? Do you have any this year that you're trying to stick to? I have one this year. So, uh Previous previous years and last year, I I'd set up like categories similar to what you do of things I want to read. So I wanted to read like more short stories, more genres I don't tend to pick up, and um, 
I had so much going on last year because I moved and then had a book release and then just like finding all the new routines when you move to a new place. It was like those things kind of went out the window. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, I, I really leaned into reading by the season that I'm in. So I mentioned at the top of the show, like winter, I read a lot. Uh, when summer comes around, I don't read as much because... I'm outside um, or doing something active, you know, outdoors. Yes, I read in my hammock. Like, I think we did a whole show where I talked about my hammock once. But, uh, <laughs> you know, that's that's part of a day. Like, it's not the same thing as in winter where it's like you've got eight hours where you're inside and you're like, okay, uh, I'm just going to read and read and read. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I just, I read better when I do that. But my one resolution this year is an easy one in theory. Um, I am not going to accrue library fines like I do. Um, so when I worked as a librarian at every library I worked at, I didn't get fines on my books, which was great in theory. In practice, it was awful because it meant I never returned things. Um, you know, they would just like, the worst part would be when I never even took them home. Like I would check them out and leave them at my desk and, um, so, like, they'd sit there for months. Um, you know, of course, if somebody came and asked for the book, like, I would I would give it to them. Like, yeah. I'm not going to hold on to it like that. But um, so, so this mentality of I don't have to pay fines, like, really uh, became a problem when I stopped working as a librarian and I started to check things out and had to pay fines. And um, generally, it's like I will take out, 15 or 20 books and they'll be overdue by a week which uh you do the math a dollar 50 or so you know for a week times 15 or 20 books really adds up and um i would really like to um not do that again mm-hmm. um i paid off 30 dollars in overdue fees the first week of this year and i hope that i can like aim to not pay more than 30 total the rest of the year <laughs> <laughs> that is a good goal um i feel like mine is like decidedly like not a ya goal um like i read enough of it uh and i was kind of ma- trying to make a promise to myself to read more like literary fiction in my life um like i got a book of the month club membership um picked up a few titles from that and like i recently picked up uh the lost girls of camp forevermore by kim mm-hmm. Fu, which reads like a ya novel um like, like, when you look at the description of it, it's, uh, like, a group of young girls descend on Camp Forevermore, a sleepaway camp in the Pacific Northwest, where their days are filled with swimming lessons, friendship bracelets, camp songs by the fire. Filled with excitement and nervous energy, they set off on an overnight kayaking trip to a nearby island, but before the night is over, they find themselves stranded with no adults to help them or survive or guide them home. Uh, so yeah, it's a, it feels like a YA survival novel, um, which I know you love. Um, you know what's... Like, you know what's funny is I didn't mean to cut you off no, there, no. but uh, this is one of those books that I picked up when it was like two dollars on um, oh, Barnes out. and Noble. So <laughs> I have it. I have it sitting on my nook. I just haven't touched it. So I'll definitely be curious what you think when you get through it. Yeah, because um, it is. It it's, the, it's survival. Yeah, and I bought it in the bookstore because it had a Celeste Ng uh, blurb on the cover, and I was like, mm-hmm. "Well, I trust you implicitly." So I bought it right <laughs> away. Um, but yeah, it feels like such a YA novel. Um, anyway, so it's, yeah, more literary novels for me. Um, and I'd love to read more literary novels that feel weirdly like YA novels. I don't know. I've got some recommendations for you then. Like, we should do a show on adult novels that would be great for um, YA, a YA readers. audience? Oh, yeah. yes. There we go. Yeah. Yeah. Um, 
I, I read one last year that you might really like. It's called uh, Girls on Fire. No, that's not, not the name of it. Um, oh, man. How embarrassing that I'm like, I'm going to tell you about this book that I loved. Um, it has to do with Girls on Fire, and the author is Shaboa Rao. And it's, it's about um, two girls who grow up in India. They become best friends, and then they're separated. And it's about how they come back together to revive their friendship uh, oh, it's like wow. this intense love story of friendship which was just incredible mm -hmm. um i'm looking up the title because it's gonna really annoy me if i don't <laughs> have it oh man yes there's silence as you know girls burn brighter girls is the burn title okay. yeah yeah i was like i knew it fire girls <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, we should we should do a show on that because I think it'd be really interesting. I think our readers, our readers, our listeners, um, mm -hmm. are probably also reading adult books. You know, whether they're young readers or they're more like us and not so young readers. Awesome. Well, who's our next sponsor? So our next sponsor is the Avon KissCon Weekend Affair. Pucker up, romance lovers. Avon is launching a weekend-long KissCon event featuring over 30 favorite Avon and Harlequin authors. KissCon will feature writing panels, author-reader interactive events and games, lively discussions, a movie night, and a giant multi-author signing. It's going to be an affair to remember. KissCon weekend will happen in Chicago April 5th through 7th, and tickets start at $75. That is the Avon KissCon Weekend Affair, and you can just Google that, or uh, the link will obviously be in all of the show notes, so you can click through and learn a little bit more, and then come on out to Chicago in early April when hopefully it's not winter anymore here. Yeah, KissCon Weekend Affair, okay. Yeah. So uh, our next topic is one that I love, that I've been thinking a lot about lately, um, we talk about debut novels quite a bit, um, and and that's a good thing. Like debut novels, because they're from authors who don't already have a track record, it's hard to get them attention for new readers. Um, but I'm curious about what happens when we talk about their sophomore novels, like if they um, get the sort of attention that they should get. And so we thought we would highlight some second books by authors that are worth reading across a number of genres. Yes, I love that idea. Uh, and there's so much pressure on debut yeah. novels, you know? Like, oh, it's like, especially when they talk about second novels and people are like, oh, well, the sophomore slump. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, come on, can you, can you not do that? Right. And for listeners, and, and Eric, you can validate this too, um, for listeners who don't generally know like how the publishing process works, a lot of times an author will spend years and years and years on that debut novel uh, before it sells, and they'll sell it uh, as a two-book deal. So the first book will come out, you know, we'll say January of 2019, and then the contract might stipulate that their next book has to be January of 2020. So instead of having like infinity time to write the novel, they they're on a deadline to write a novel, which for some ends up bringing this additional pressure of like you don't have the luxury of time to get it just right or um, pour over it the same way you would in a debut novel. Yeah. So what are some of your I don't know, what are some of your favorite sophomore novels? Some of your uh, ones that you're looking forward to? I'm gonna uh, start with the obvious one, I guess. Mm. Um, I know. 
uh, On the Come Up by Angie Thomas. Did I mention that I read this one early and I think it's even better than The Hate You Give? Um, or I shouldn't say that. That's not fair. I liked it better than The Hate You Give. Um, I don't think you can say one is better than the other other because uh, The Hate You Give was such a revolutionary YA book. Um, but on the come up, it's about a female rapper who wants to be just that. She wants to be this awesome female rapper and sort of follow in her father's footsteps. Um, it's a book with a ton of heart and hope. But it takes on a lot of the same themes that um, The Hate You Give does in terms of what it's like to be black in an urban landscape, what it's like to deal with people's perceptions of you when you're a black girl, what the modern black family looks like and the challenges they face. Um, Brie, the main character, is the daughter of a former underground rap legend. And now, um, as she's trying to build her own career, she's also juggling this challenge with uh her mom losing her job and now like even putting food on the table is challenging for the family um i love brie she's really really funny um she's a well-rendered main character and the voice in this book is just what you would expect from an angie thomas novel like it's great um this is one of those books that i think i i can only imagine the sort of pressure that she must feel about this after but uh Um, And it got bumped, too. It was supposed to come out last summer, and then it was bumped um, so that she could work on it some more. And I think that that extra time was so worth it. Um, This book is just great. And that is uh, On the Come Up by Angie Thomas, and it comes out the 5th of February. What about you? What's what's on your list? Let's see. Uh, There's there's quite a few. It was hard to narrow these ones down. Um, yeah, as I was like trying to like sort through my horribly disorganized bookshelf, I realized that like a sweeping majority of my favorite authors who have second books are authors who write series, you know? So it's like it's kind of hard to be like, "Oh, their sophomore novel is, you know, book 2 in the blah 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 series," you know, mm-hmm, it doesn't really mm-hmm. count. Um, so I was really digging through to find the ones that uh that were like sort of standalones. And uh one I really loved and I feel like went really under the radar was uh Here We Are Now by Jasmine Warga. Um, like her debut, My Heart and Other Black Holes, which is fantastic, you know, it was all over the place. And this one, not as much. Um, so it's about a teen girl who surrounds herself with music, and I do love my music YA novels, uh, <laughs> as she copes with, uh, you know, never knowing her father, something that's left this hole in her heart, um, until she discovers her father is this famous rock star. Uh, and as they start to reconnect, she uh, goes to meet his family, including his dying father, Um it's just this really painful but really hopeful story because, like, what is it like to reconnect with your, you know, missing, estranged family uh, in the midst of, like, the, you know, I don't know patriarch of the family dying? Um, and it's just uh, so full of music and heart, and I want more people to read it. So that's uh, Here We Are Now by Jasmine Warga. My next one is Notes from My Captivity by Kathy Parks. Since we are talking about those survival novels, uh, this one got in my head. I didn't read her first book, which is called uh, The Lifeboat Click. Which, and it's did so you, good. Yes. I was going to say, you read this one. I thought you did. Um, it's such a Kelly book. The, this uh, Can I talk about it really quick? Yeah, yeah. It? So it's like this... <laughs> <laughs> it makes me laugh just thinking about the book. Um, so it, a tsunami hits uh, the coast of California, which is not the part that's funny. Um, and a team gets swept out uh, into sea on a little life raft uh, with uh, her ex-best friend and a bunch of really, really popular kids who just kind of, I don't know, kind of can't stand her. And, like, what is that experience like to be, you know, <laughs> dealing with, you know, 
dying of thirst and like <laughs> exposure in the sun, but at the same time being shunned because you're not popular enough to hang out with the other kids <laughs> on the lifeboat. So it's like really just darkly funny. Um, I loved this book. It's so, so great. I, I have to pick it up. Um, so, so her second book, her sophomore novel notes for my captivity is that same dark humor. Mm-hmm. Um, and this, this is, uh, about a girl named Adrian, she dreams of becoming this journalist and getting into this like great college to study journalism. Um, she's given the opportunity of a lifetime to write this article to get her into this college, and uh, the article is about this uh, myth that her stepfather holds about this legendary family of hermits who live in Siberia. <laughs> So she's going to Siberia to to like debunk this myth. She doesn't think that these that this legendary family exists. Uh, but what happens next? Uh, of course, she can never plan for. Um, but the adventure brings her closer to her stepfather and gives her one heck of a college essay. Um, <laughs> it's funny. It's sharp, and um, it explores really dark stuff too. It explores grief. It explores. Um, when life changes and you're not expecting it. Um, and it also has a little bit of magic in it. It's it's a realistic book with just a touch of magic. Um, not enough to be like magical realism or fabulism, but um, yeah, there's there's a neat little magical thread in there as well. Um, book made me laugh so hard. Um, I loved it. And that was uh, Notes from My Captivity by Kathy Parks. Yeah, I feel like you'll laugh a lot if you read that Lifeboat Click book too. Yes. It's just, oh. This is so great. Um, so mine is uh, Invisible Fault Lines, my next one, by uh, Kristen Page Madonia. Um, I love this one. Yes, it's so good. Uh, I feel like a lot of readers know her from that first book, that Fingerprints of You book with the, the mm-hmm. hummingbird on the cover. Um, mm-hmm. And this book is just like, ugh, it's just so stunning. So you have this teen girl whose father disappears. Um, and, you know, she's convinced something's happened to him, so it starts to have this investigation. She's going around his uh, construction site and trying to see what's happened. Um, and as the investigation's going on and on and on, she spots his face in this photo uh, from the big San Francisco earthquake. You know, it it only happened like a hundred years ago, so this is <laughs> sort of strange. Um, and it's this really lovely family mystery that's, you know, full of all this heartbreak. But it's just, I feel like this powerful story about the way we grieve and the way we find ourselves uh, dealing with that grief. And uh, it's another one that I want more people to read because it's just, I don't know, it's very, very different. Yeah, I really like this one. I liked her first book too. Yeah. Um, Has she had one since? I don't think so. No, I'm waiting for more. Yeah, me too. Good, good pick. Uh, Let's see. My next one is Devoted by Jennifer Machu. Mm. Um, That was her second book? Yeah. Oh, I didn't know yeah, um, she got her huge break with Moxie a couple of years ago, but her sophomore novel is the one that really hit me as a reader and made me want to pick up everything she writes. Um, it's a book about a girl named Rachel who is very devoted to God and her faith, um, even though it's not necessarily by choice. She's part of this really um, dedicated family, similar to like what you would expect of a quiverful Mm. Uh, movement family and so she's homeschooled and she's isolated and um, despite that she herself is really really curious about the world around her and when she begins to 
sort of discover what's out there beyond this very enclosed world she lives in. She really wants to step out and reclaim her life uh, for her. It ticked basically all of my boxes, and it's perfect for people who are um, obsessed with Duggar-like families or other religious cult stories. Um, it's really, really respectful and thoughtful of both sides of the equation, so this isn't like uh, one of those books that's going to rail against anything, but offers this really thoughtful story about being stuck between this faith that you've grown up in and believed to be the only thing and then discovering that there's more out there and sort of like how to navigate that line. And that is Devoted by Jennifer Machu. Oh man, I did not even know that was her, uh, her second book. Um, yeah, so let's see. Um, oh, so I have one that I haven't read yet, but I wanted to talk about it because it's sitting on my bookshelf and I know we both loved her first book. And this one is, uh, The Arsonist by Stephanie Oakes. Mm -hmm. Um, it's just sitting on my shelf. She wrote The Sacred Lies of Winnella Bly, which you and I both adore and is amazing. Uh, and I want to read the description really quick because it makes me angry at myself for not reading it. Um, <laughs> so Molly Metivy is not a normal niece. Not a normal teenage girl. Uh, for one thing, her father is a convicted murderer and his execution date is fast approaching. For another, Molly refuses to believe that her mother is dead. And she waits for the day when they'll be reunited, despite all the evidence that it'll never happen. Pepper Youssef is not your average teenage boy. A uh, Kuwaiti immigrant with epilepsy, serious girl problems, and the most useless seizure dog in existence, he has to write a series of essays over the summer or fail out of school. And Ava Draymond, the brave and beautiful East German resistance fighter whose murder at 17 led to the destruction of the Berlin Wall, is unlike anyone you've met before. When Molly gets a package leading her to Pepper, uh, they're tasked with solving a decades-old mystery, find out who killed Ava back in 1989. Using Ava's diary for clues, Molly and Pepper realize there's more to her life and death uh, than meets the eye. Someone is lying to them, and someone out there is guiding them along, desperate for answers. So I don't know how I haven't read this book yet. Yeah, I don't know how I haven't either. Yeah, so this is next on my TBR, uh, and it's the second book by an author whose first book I'm smitten with. And her first book was also like a cultish themed yes. book. Hmm. Oh, what is wrong with us? <laughs> a lot of things are wrong with us. <laughs> we like cults and wilderness survival stories. Mm -hmm. uh, my next one is, uh, let's go with an author who I love. Um, this is Rotters by Daniel Krauss. It was his sophomore novel. Um, so Krauss is one of my favorite YA horror writers, and um, it's I think it wasn't until The Shape of Water that more readers sort of discovered who he is. And um, fortunately, that that means he's he's getting more attention. His work is getting more attention and, and will continue to because um, it's so good. But uh, Rodders is where, for me, um, he made this name for himself as like a YA horror writer to watch. Uh, Rodders follows this 16-year-old boy named Joey who lives in Chicago with his mom. And he's really this good kid. Like, he's super into being a good kid. And he's super into his trumpet. His mom, then, is in this tragic accident. Um, and Which, pause for a second. Are there things that aren't tragic accidents when it comes to death? Like, do we need to explain tragic? Like, oh, okay. Uh, aside over. <laughs> but uh, Joey's sent to live with his father that he doesn't know in rural Iowa. And his dad is this, like, weird guy. He's sort of a loner. And um, Joey, like, cannot connect with him at all. Like, what is going on with dad? Like, why is he this weird dude? Uh... 
But once Joey and his dad are able to sort of come to an understanding of one another, we discover that um, his dad has this really curious job. Uh, and, and it's a job that he wants Joey to potentially take part in, too. Grave robbing, Eric. It's Ooh, a book about grave robbing. What? Yeah. <laughs> and that's Rotters by Daniel Krauss. I did not know. Oh, okay. <laughs> uh, so my last one is uh, The Looking Glass by Jana McNally. Um, so Jana McNally, she's a poet in addition to being a YA writer, and it really shows in her work. Everything is so lyrical and beautiful, it makes you angry. Um, her second novel is about a teen whose sister disappears uh, and finds a copy of the old storybook they used to share uh, with a note inside that might hint at what happened to her. Um, there's music and a smidge of magic in this uh, as you know she goes about trying to unravel the mystery. Uh, so if you really like the book, uh, her first book, uh, Girls on the Moon, which is full of music and, and sort of lyrical, almost poetic prose, uh, and like Melissa Albert's The Hazelwood, uh, I feel like you'll really like this book. Um, and that is The Looking Glass by Janet McNally. It has a really pretty cover, too. Yeah, it does. She gets, she has, she's lucky with her covers. Uh, my last one is called That Thing We Call a Heart by Sheba Karam. Uh, there was this like really long break between Karam's first book, which came out in 2009, and then this, her sophomore novel, which came out in 2017. And uh, as I was like uh, putting together my list of books I wanted to talk about, it hit me that um, I wonder if the We Need Diverse Books push really helped her get more books published. If... Um, the call for more inclusivity meant that um, she was able to take these stories she had written and really share them with with what the YA audience. So, mm -hmm. like the first book, you know, came out ten years ago. The second one came out eight years later, and then she had another one uh, last year. So she's like she's putting them out more frequently now. Uh, but anyway, so the sophomore novel called. Uh, this thing we call the heart, it follows a girl named Shabnan, who is a Pakistani-American girl who goes to a posh private high school. Farah, her best friend, has decided she's going to start wearing the headscarf, and by not seeking out Shabnam's permission, uh, this rift grows between them about um, this decision that she made. And um, then there's this little, uh, or huge, I guess I should say, lie that Shabnam tells about Something that happened in her family's history during partition in India in 1947. And so there's there's a lot going on here. There's wow, this rifted yeah. friendship. There's this deep, deep lie about her family and their history. Um, so what Shabnam decides she's going to do to like get through this summer of challenges is to... Um, she, she's going to get to know this boy named James. And, uh, or, sorry, his name is Jamie, not James. Uh, she becomes utterly fascinated with him, but not in the way that he is fascinated with her. Um, he wants to know everything about her and her culture, and um, Farah is sort of worried about this guy and, mm. like, what he is doing. Well, it turns out that, first, we're going to find out why Shamnam lied about the uh, history of her family and the partition in India. And second, we're going to see the skeevy side of Jamie and what he's doing with her. Because uh, he's not with her to forge a relationship. He's with her because he's fetishizing her and her family's culture. Oh, no. Uh, mm -hmm. So it's this like, really fascinating story about friendship. 
And then also this story about really um, uncomfortable topics when it comes to like interracial romance and where the line is between appreciating a culture and fetishizing a culture. Um, it's a really smart book. Um, and I loved, loved, loved Farah, the best friend in that, in that book. Um, it's one that like, I went and looked at my notes after I read it. I was like, oh yeah, I remember that friendship being like the big thrust behind the novel. Um, that always stands out to me as a reader. Um, and that is that thing we call a heart by Sheba Karam. Oh man, I'm going to have to look for that one. Yeah, it's, it's great. I think you would really like it. Yeah. I think Eric, that's our show. All right. Uh, oh, oh no, I lied. I lied. That's not our show. <laughs> I was going to scream about a couple of upcoming sophomore novels I'm looking forward to. Oh yes, go for uh, it. And then you should too, if you've got any on the tip of your tongue. Um, on my list, uh, With the Fire on High by Elizabeth Acevedo, which comes out March, I believe. Internment by Samir Ahmed, which also comes out in March. And then uh, Dealing in Dreams by Lillian Rivera, which comes out in February, I believe. And then listen to this one. Um, Oasis by Katia de Becerra. Um, this is the, the, the description of that book. It's about teens working on an archaeological dig site. A sandstorm hits, and they're all lost in the sands until they find this mysterious oasis. Oh. Yeah, it sounds awesome. Are there any on, on your list that you wanted to, oh, to mention? Oh, man, all my arcs are packed away. Uh, but one I can think <laughs> of uh, off the top of my head is uh, Arvin Armati's mm. uh, second novel called Girl Gone Viral. Mm-hmm. Um, it's supposed to be feeling like – it's supposed to feel like a mix of, like, The Social Network and Ready Player One, uh, which is – Super excited to me because, like, I loved his contemporary debut, and now we're getting this, you know, sort of sci-fi novel. Um, and mm-hmm. the description is, uh, for 17-year-old Opal Hopper, code is magic. She builds entire worlds from scratch, Mars crater, shimmering lakes, any virtual experience her heart desires. But she can't code her dad back into her life. Uh, when he disappeared after her 10th birthday, leaving only a cryptic note, Opal tried desperately to find him. And when he never turned up, she enrolled at boarding school for technical prodigies and tried to forget. Until now, because Wave, the world's biggest virtual reality platform, has announced a contest where the winner gets to meet its billionaire founder, the same billionaire who worked closely with Opal's dad. Uh, Mm. And then, you know, mysteries, mysteries, murder, murder. Uh, Sounds awesome. (laughs) (laughs) I'm excited because I loved his first book. I have no follow-up to that. I feel like <laughs> mystery, mystery, murder, murder is is just right. That's, that's where we end the show. Uh, so, so that said, thanks, y'all, for tuning in this week. If you leave any feedback about the show, drop it on Apple Podcasts. Let us know how we're doing. Um, and when you do that, it helps other people find us. Thanks again to today's sponsors for helping make the show possible. You can follow me, Kelly Jensen, on Twitter and Instagram as Veronica Kelly Mars. And you can follow Eric Smith on Twitter and Instagram as Eric Smith Rocks. And we'll talk to you again in two weeks. Bye.